0: Hey there, and welcome to Lively Conversations, brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams, and I would love it if this is a meaningful conversation to you and your teenagers if you'd tell a friend. Today, my guests are John, Lisa, Gabby, and Taylor Malidi. Lisa serves as the elementary director at Community Christian Church in White Marsh, Maryland. She's married to her college sweetheart, John, and they have two adult daughters, Gabby and Taylor. Her favorite things are coffee, chocolate, movies, and time spent with family. John is a sales director and has recently started substitute teaching at the high school. He's a proud dad and a super sports fan. Gabby is a graduate of James Madison University. Her passions are Jesus, Disney, fitness, and creating video content. She currently lives in Orlando where she works at Walt Disney World and she's a freelance personal trainer. In her spare time, she produces and directs online web series. Taylor is 22 and has a degree from the University of South Carolina in marine science. She currently lives there in South Carolina where she's pursuing a career in animal care. Now, I know that they're not teenagers anymore, but this family came so highly recommended by our mutual friend, Nick Blevins, that I simply had to reach out. It can be really helpful to listen to someone who's just a little bit further down the road from where we find ourselves. So I'm really looking forward to you hearing this conversation and how they guide us for the seasons that we're currently in and toward the seasons that are to come. So let's jump into my lively conversation with the Moliti family. welcome to Lively Conversations, Malidi family. I'm so glad that you are here with us. Why don't you take a second and uh, tell us your name and tell us where you live and how you typically spend your days.
1: I'll go first since I'm older. Hello, I'm Gabriella Malidi. I live in Orlando, Florida and I'm currently
2: working for Walt Disney World-ish, currently being relative. (laughs) Uh, Hi, I'm Taylor Malidi. I live in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I am a waitress, a bartender, and I work at a zoo. Um, I'm an intern and a volunteer on and off, but the, the big uh, passion is marine biology.
0: So cool.
3: I am Lisa Malidi. I'm mom here. I live in Falston, Maryland, which is just north of Baltimore. And I work for a church. My church is Community Christian Church in White Marsh, and I'm the elementary, <clears throat> pardon me, the elementary director there.
0: Fantastic.
4: I'm John. I live here in Falston, Maryland, a suburb of Baltimore, about 40 miles north. Uh, My role is a sales director in my company, so I spend a lot of time traveling, a lot of time in customer facilities. And what time I'm not there, I'm typically at at an office of some sort. Um, But one of the things that's been real rewarding for me recently is I've chosen to do some substitute teaching at the high school level, which scares the heck out of me. um, But it's been very rewarding.
0: Fantastic. And I've already acknowledged to our guests that you guys are a little bit uh, out of the range of our normal demographic of people that I interview. Normally, I interview parents and teenagers, but you came so highly recommended uh, from our mutual friend, Nick Blevins, that I wanted to get you guys on here and just pick your brain uh, because you're a little bit down the road from where most of our listeners are. And I think that you probably have some great wisdom to offer. So let's jump in and I'm going to ask you. uh, uh kind of a silly question uh and this is because i know a little bit about gabby's passion for disney so i'm curious who's your favorite <laughs> disney hero or heroine and then the follow up question to that is would you trade places with them
3: Ooh. well i i guess i'll start my favorite disney character is dory but i'm not necessarily sure that she's
0: a heroine so yeah, I think she is. I think Dory helps a lot at the end of Finding Nemo. That's true. Okay, then yes, I'd like to go with Dory for mine.
3: I don't think I would create places with her because I can't imagine living in the water all the time. I do like the water, but maybe not that much.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Solid answer. <laughs> I like that you went out of range with a more obscure
2: Pixar character and not just going for the low-hanging fruit there. Appreciate <laughs> <laughs> that. mine is uh it's actually changed very recently um and it's funny because gabby actually just tagged me in this thing on instagram where you had to pick all your disney favorites and so i've recently given this a great bit of thought but honestly moana um everyone had told me forever to watch moana and i never did because i guess it was just the thing and i never really had time um but my roommate just introduced me to it and It's kind of funny, I ended up crying throughout the movie because of her passion and love for the ocean and adventure. And I looked at my roommate with tears in my eyes and I just said, this is me. I feel like this is a Disney movie about my life. And so I would 100% trade places with Moana. She just gets to travel all over the place. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry, if no one's seen the end, Um, might want (laughs) to cut that
0: out. Yeah, That's and fun. the ocean, really the ocean creatures too. I think that is perfect for you.
2: Okay, um, my favorite
1: Cinderella, and I think everyone knows that um, what, from my family. When I was younger um, and I would have like a little bit of like anxiety as a kid, my mom always would like tell me, like she tells me stories that my happy place was talking about Cinderella. I guess I just loved her then. And I've grown into loving her as an adult because as I've reflected on her story in a new light of my life, um, I don't see her the way a lot of people see her, which is like a passive character who you know would give anything to have a prince and all that. A lot of people put her in the same category as I think Snow White's story, but um, I see her as a very like, represent, very big representation of the type of woman I want to be in Christ, um, with her humility and, you know, the fact that she honors and respects and serves her step-family despite how they treat her takes a lot more strength than people realize because it's easy to be nice to people you like. It's hard to be kind to people who hurt you, um, and she's kind and patient and all the things that I struggle with, (laughs) um, and, but she also has a lot of hope and she knows when she needs help. She's not too prideful to accept help from fairy godmother when it comes along and it leads to this beautiful uh, life change. And so I've always seen her story as a representation of the type of woman I want to be in Christ. So now she's more of an icon for me of that. Um, whereas when I was little, I think it was more just, you know, beautiful blue dress and prints and yes. all of that. I would Definitely switch places with her in her current circumstance. I don't know if I'd switch with her <laughs> when she was serving. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be a princess and marry Prince Charming now if I could.
0: That's awesome. And to take the spiritual analogy too far, probably she needed to get through all of that serving to be able to do what she does now well. so <laughs>
1: True story. I actually wrote a blog about how much I respect her and why I think she's such an icon and like you know how um, not passive she is. So I could uh, send you a link to that if you want, because I love talking about her and what she represents to me.
0: Fantastic! Yeah, go ahead and send that to me. I, as you were talking, I thought this should be a video or a blog or something like that. But obviously, like you have, <laughs> or you've already thought through it in depth. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my blog's not like a super blog. It's just like for my friends and family, and I haven't written on it in a while. But it's called Gab with Me.
4: So if I had to pick a Disney character that I think I could relate to. Um... Or B, I guess it would be Mufasa from The Lion King, primarily because I just kind of like the way he connects as a father figure and a protector of the of the pride, so to speak, and uh, the way he takes care of uh, the entire animal kingdom. Um, but the communication with his son, I think, was super special. I don't have a, a son, but obviously there's a lot to relate with my daughters. Um, would I trade places? Uh, obviously not. He uh, got dealt a pretty bad blow there towards the end, so <laughs> I don't think I would trade Places with him.
0: All right. So you guys are a little bit ahead of us. And one of the things that parents and teenagers struggle with during those years is just all the change that's happening during those years. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about how your relationship with each other changed during that season in your family's life?
3: For me, I would just say, obviously, as my kids grew especially throughout the teenage years, you know, they became more responsible, more, you know, or it, the expectation for responsibility grew, obviously, as, uh you know, they got older. And so with that came a little bit more, I don't know if I want to say freedom. I don't know if that's the right word. But, you know, we tried to just sort of as they got older, give more and more opportunity for them to take care of themselves, cut the cord a little bit at a time. And I am i wasn't always as good at it. Um <laughs> I kind of tend to, you know, uh, wanted to help and be connected more. But um, yeah, I guess I would just say releasing them a little bit more each year and as they grew. And then when they moved to college, you know, that's a real like, it does it for you kind of thing. You know, they're just, they're gone, they're out of your home and they're having to take care of things on their own. But at the same time, I guess always just wanted them to know they had a soft place to land, you know, we were there for them, that kind of thing. Definitely. What do you think, Gabby? Um, yeah, teenage
1: years were a little tumultuous for me, for sure. Definitely towards the back end more than the front. I think as we became teenagers, the relationship just kind of matured more into, like, closer to friendship. Um, but we were still so young at that point that there was still a balance between, like, you know, my parents and my friends. As I got into later years in high school, I definitely had a lot of... um. Just mental stuff going on and um, emotional stuff, you know, changes that were happening more on the back end. And so I think that very individual relationships changed with mom and dad because with mom, we were definitely moving more towards like the leaving the nest phase and um, emotionally preparing ourselves for that. And I think that we both kind of tend to, um, and mom, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I definitely tend to take fights more when I know I'm going to leave somewhere and it's going to hurt because it makes it a little easier. So I think that we were kind of navigating like me dealing with my mental and emotional crap and then also just like preparing for this like launch into college. Cause I knew I'd be going far away. So it was a little bit more um, emotional um, growing into that friendship phase with my mom, but we definitely like fought for our relationship every day. And, uh, and it worked out really well. And then with dad, I mean, I think that you would agree with me that we had some rocky roads there at the beginning and middle of high school. And I think that we, definitely like I saw so much change happen over the years where you really um, became more of a friend and a mentor and somebody that I was truly inspired by towards the end of my teen years. Whereas at the beginning, you were definitely more of the like helper and um, somebody that I was, you know, learning from and also somebody that I fought with a lot. And I'm so grateful that that changed so much because like our arc and our relationship just grew tremendously as I got older. And I think that it was a real um, benefit that we also fought every day for our relationship. They were very individual feelings. It wasn't like my parents as a whole. It was always like mom and dad, and they were very um, different emotions attached to each of them and different arcs that we had. Um, So yeah, dad and I definitely, I think, fought the most for our friendship and with each other. And so um, I think it became that much stronger on the other side because you know, we really wanted it. We really wanted to have a healthy relationship, especially as I was getting older. Um, Yeah, that's just the beginning, though, like tip of the iceberg. I don't want to take too much away from his answer.
0: I love that, uh, that clarification that you gave about fighting for each other, even though you were fighting with each other. So uh, thank you for your transparency about that.
2: Taylor, tell us. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say my parents since day one have always been just you fight for the relationship. We joke all the time. Um, we say this line from the show, the middle, we say you do for family. They have always tried since I was little to just foster a really, really good relationship with me and with Gabby. And uh, we always joke about how we never got out of a fight without having the conversation. It was like, that was the the exit point of any argument <laughs> or any um, dispute was we need to have the conversation about you know what's going on inside. And so I'll be the first to admit, uh, my high school years, I really, really had a tendency to get wrapped up in what the world told me my life should look like as you know, a high school athlete and having a boyfriend that was older than me. It was all, it, it just uh, was more valuable to me than it should have been. But my parents loved me through every bit of that as I tried to navigate that, uh, even times when my immaturity got the best of me. They always fought for our relationship. And so I look back on my relationship with my parents through my whole life. I always would look at it positively. But um, the way that they gave me some leeway in those years when I was trying to figure out who I was going to be, just enough leeway to make mistakes, um, but also pushing for conversations and to just show me, hey, you know, these are our thoughts, but this is your life. Uh, Let's talk about it it fostered this thing in me that knew I could always go to them. And even when my life, you know, kind of crashed and burned on itself, they were still the first people that I, I wanted to run to because they had built this foundation of safety for me. And I think that really um, just created a great foundation for a healthy adult uh, relationship with them and a healthy adult friendship.
0: I love that. Gabby, you have something to say.
1: I was just going to say, I really love what Taylor said, um, because this is so true. And I think one of the key things our parents always said to us that really uh, built trust with them was this is our thoughts, but it's your life. And it wasn't the sense of like, we don't care. And it also wasn't the sense of like, you can do whatever you want. You have total freedom. It was like, uh, we care about you enough to share what we think is best in our wisdom but also we understand that we can't control you. And I think that just built a mutual respect between both of us where we valued their opinion, but we also knew that we had our own choices to make and that gave us a responsibility um, and a trust with one another. And I'm so glad Taylor said it and worded it that eloquently. Cause I think that was like a key phrase that we heard a lot growing up um, that really built that trust and responsibility
0: balance for us. That's fantastic. All right, Lisa and John, what do you guys think?
4: Well, I think the biggest differentiation for me from early years to later years um, was, uh, I, I guess I was a bit of a train wreck. I, You know, you, you think you you know what you're going to be like as a father to, to teenage girls until you're actually there. I never grew up with girls, so um, it was a work in progress for me. And, you know, I always thought, hey, if you're going to be a father, then, you know, you have two kids, three kids, you're going to be the, the same kind of father to all your kids. And, you know, uh, what I found out uh, and I started to do that when they were younger, you know, of course, I traveled a lot. Lisa, I give her all the credit for raising our kids because I, I was on the road. She was home. Um, so I didn't get a chance to spend as much time with them um, as I would have liked. And when I got home, it was all probably more work for them than it was fun until later in life. So when they were younger, you, you try to parent on um, the same. But as they grew older, um, I think it was Taylor that said, you know, you, you kind of can see there's a significant differentiation between our kids. I think they'll be the first to tell you they're very, very different. You know, Gabby is very strong-willed like I am, and she has very, very strong opinions like I do, and that can create some of the you know, problems that she described earlier. Uh As we went along, I I came to realize, look, you know, these guys are totally different, and there's no way that we can parent both kids the same way when they're different and expect, you know, the same results. So as time went on, we got to understand who they were, um, and, and as Gabby said, we really encouraged them to be who they were you know, we, yes, they're genetically a part of, of me and Lisa, but you know, they're their own people and they, we encourage them to follow their own past hopes and dreams and also be responsible for those choices. We would support them no matter what. And the one thing we always wanted to make sure that they knew was they always have a backstop and they always have a safe place. And as long as we knew that we can rely on that, we can kind of get through anything together. So um, Gabby and my relationship got significantly, significantly better as she got older. And I think we're at the point now where I don't want to say we're, more friends than anything else. But um, it's more of an advisory role than than it used to be, for sure. I
0: feel like we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) You guys just delivered so much hope to our listeners. So thank you for sharing all that. Lisa, what about you? I was just going to say,
3: Dana, it's like I'm sitting over here kind of a puddle listening to my girl speak. And I don't know, a lot of parents don't get the opportunity to hear the other side of things once their kids are older. So I, I do hope it is hopeful for people um, to hear. You know, it, it just means a lot to hear that. But at the same time, it makes me think back, wow, it took a lot of what Gabby has already alluded to and what we've all, you know, I think a theme in our home was fighting for our relationship. So it, you know, it wasn't always perfect, but I'm just grateful to be on the other side of it, where we are now.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting to hear your girl's perspective, because I'm sure that in the messy middle, they didn't feel the way that they're describing now. But I love (laughs) the ability to like reflect and say, oh, I see where um, those boundaries and that that fighting for and always like opening up the awkward conversations was so helpful and built your relationship. So I think it's a fantastic example and I appreciate it. So uh, Lisa and John, when it came to raising two teenage girls, I'm sure that you had to keep your eyes on the prize through some of those tumultuous times. So what was the goal for you?
3: I will tell you, honestly, for me, the biggest goal of my parenting was that I wanted my girls to want to spend time with me as adults, you know, when they didn't have to anymore, I guess. I wanted to have a friendship with my adult daughters. I um, I come from a huge family and I love my family so much. And I've grown to a place where I really enjoy my family. But there was a lot of obligation over the years of things that you sh- you felt like you needed to go do. And I just wanted to make sure my girls didn't feel they had to be with us or had to come home for the holidays, but that they truly wanted to come home for the holidays. So that was sort of my filter in everything was just developing something that would last for the long haul. And I guess in doing that, it for me, sometimes the way that looked was engaging in things that they were interested in, that maybe I wasn't as much interested in, and I, th- I, think John would probably say the same. So, for example, I'm not really big into sports, but Taylor played a lot of sports, and so I wanted to be in her life and let her know I'm here. I'm, I'm interested. If I like spending time with you, you know, those kinds of messages that I wanted uh, my girls to hear, because in the end, I really wanted our adult relationship to be strong and healthy and a good friendship. So that was always in the back of my mind whenever there was conflict or whenever there was something that I wanted to just, you know, be like, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm done. <laughs> you know, whatever. I would think, nope, I got to go have that conversation and make sure we're okay. Or, you know, as we manage conflict and things like that.
4: We were, uh, you know, extremely fortunate with our girls. And uh, I'm not even going to pretend to be an authority on having to deal with some of the issues that a lot of parents had to deal with. Um, with regard to you know some bad kind of behavior and you know to my knowledge anyway and uh, and I think I'm I would have caught them had they been doing some of this we did we didn't really have to deal with a lot of those critical issues so they were easy um, for the most part if I'm being honest I mean they were really really easy they were good kids they they you know our big thing was we wanted to make sure that um, they gave um, you know as, as I'm sure you can understand Dana it's, it's life giving um, when you can spend your time and effort helping other people so. Um, that part was easy. We really didn't have a whole lot to worry about. My biggest concern, and, and this was always an issue with our marriage as well, was that we played different roles um, as parents. Um, and that can always lead to kind of, I don't want to say resentment, but you know, I it was tough. Um, as I said earlier, my role back then was, hey, our job is to prepare you for adulthood. And sometimes that comes with some tough conversations. And it would get to the point where, you know, every time I felt like I was talking to my kids, it was about something that, you know, was important in life or something serious. And, you know, I found myself wanting to spend more time having fun so I can build that relationship that's going to carry me the next 30 years as opposed to the first 20 years. And that was a bit of a struggle. But, um, you know, again, they were great kids. we were very fortunate. I give Lisa all the credit in the world. We didn't have a whole lot of hard things to navigate. And, Extremely thankful for what uh, what wound up on the uh, on the back end, for sure.
0: I think that um, you're pointing out fun is really critical for families in this season where we are home together for hours and hours and days and perhaps weeks on end, and it can be tempting to just have the the difficult conversations or the um, the check ins. And fun is such a key part of building a good friendship. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. So let's chat a little bit about rules and expectations that you all had during the teen years. Uh, let's start with the girls. What did that look like for you? What stands out as, you know, family, your family values or your family expectations?
1: Ooh, I like that you, oh, Taylor, do you want to go first? No, go for it. Okay. Um, sorry. I, I will always jump in. So I try to restrict myself. Um. <laughs> I, I like that you differentiated between rules and values because those were very differentiated growing up. We had very little rules put on us. And my parents always said, like, maybe that was a bad thing. I personally think we turned out OK. Um, but like, I think Taylor and I kind of I don't know if this is naturally something we were born with or if it was drummed into us when we were too young to remember. But I set rules for myself because I had values set in place for me by my parents. And I don't really know how to encourage other parents to do that because I don't know really exactly how it was done for me. But all I know is that there were values put above anything else. And those were the conversations that were had. And then I kind of set the rules for myself based on those values. So, for example, there wasn't a um, no sneaking out rule. You know, there wasn't like a curfew rule. There was a I will be worried about you because I care about you if you're gone longer than I know. So I would then set a rule for myself like I'm not going to leave the house without telling my mom or I'm not going to not text my dad when I'm going over to a friend's place like there was no rule that needed to be set in place because the value of security and my parents caring about me was set so high and like, you know, the value of family trust was set so high that there was no rule against lying I just set a rule for myself that I wasn't going to lie because I knew intrinsically it was going to hurt my relationship with my parents and my relationship with them and the trust that we have was more valuable to me than whatever lie I might want to tell. So I don't know, maybe it's different for Taylor too. Um, So I'm excited to hear her answer. But for me, there wasn't a lot of rules. Like there just wasn't, but there was a lot of rules that I put on myself because I valued the things my parents taught me to value. So I think Not that I can really speak on parenting, but from what they did with me as a kid, I really appreciated that my parents always gave a why behind any rules that there were, if there were any, and that they cared more about the deeper issues and the why's than the rule itself. I never had to think like, oh, well, if I can get away with this, it'll be fine. It was more of a like, even if I get away with it, there's still going to be a consequence that's a deeper consequence than whatever goes wrong here. So, yeah, the only actual rule I ever remember having set for me was when I started driving and it was text me when you get there. And I literally never remembered and I feel so bad. But now I do it all (laughs) the time. (laughs) Um, But that's like I think that's Dana. the only rule I ever remember being a rule in our household was text me when you get there when I started driving. But other than that, yeah, it was more about value system.
0: Hmm. And I think that's really interesting to me because then when you approach um, those boundaries with a value, uh, rules are made to be broken, right? For certain personality types. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the value that helps you to make a broader range of decisions where, oh, this little loophole, I can get away with it, uh, may be the case with a rule.
2: For sure, yeah. Me and my mom were actually talking about this call a few weeks ago, and we joked a little bit about how the conversation was always more important than the rule. to the point where I joked with her. And I said, sometimes when I was a teenager, I would say, Can you just like take my phone for two weeks? I don't want to have this conversation right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But looking back now, as a 22 year old, I am so thankful. Um, Just kind of going off of what Gabby said, rules weren't really The norm for us, there was expectations um, based on how Mm. we were raised. It was always an expectation of treat people with respect, um, exercise manners, all of those things that were instilled since we were toddlers. Um, But for us, it really was more about the conversation. It was more about how's your heart on this? Um, There wasn't a rule that my boyfriend couldn't stay at our house overnight, but my mother would sit me down and say, hey, how are you handling physical temptation and I would cringe and want to run away from the conversation. But now I can't wait to do that with my kids because Mm. it fostered such a great um, just drive in me to want to continue on that attitude of we don't need rules. And there was a season when I was a junior in high school and just I had a relationship that I really started acting out of character for myself. A series of I wouldn't even say rules. My parents kind of phrase them as rules after the fact, but every rule came with, hey, we are putting these in place and want to have fluid conversations and dynamics about these things because we notice that this is not in keeping with your character and who we have always known you to be. And so this is more not to keep you on a short leash, but to foster those conversations of what's really going on inside And it took me a long time to forgive myself for that season because I felt like I disappointed my parents. And I think that's something that teenagers deal with a lot. We want to please our parents. We want our parents to look at us, proud of us. And um, I've never, ever questioned that my parents are proud of me. They have always shared that with me. Even the days when I messed up, they said, you're still our kid. We still love you. Yeah. But that difficult season I'm thankful for because I just saw the value in my relationship with my parents and how badly I wanted to show them. This isn't a you thing. This isn't to do with how you raised me. This is me listening to the world, but I'm going to go back to my roots and that foundation that you instilled in me. And I'm going to honor that and respect that and move forward. So yeah, definitely thankful for the way that my parents handled that. Just piggybacking off of two things Taylor
1: said one, um, it's kind of like a good father in heaven representation too, because for any teenagers who are listening right now, whether you're being forced to, or you really want to work in a relationship with your parents, like I really don't think that you need to get your ass together for your parents to be proud of you all the time. Because like, like Taylor was saying, like she felt like she disappointed them and all of that stuff. And like, I would just never want anyone to think that you have to wait until you're older or more together or later in life or college or after college to be who your parents are waiting for you to be. Like, I just think that's a really messed up mentality. And it's kind of like how people think they have to clean up their act before they go to God, you know, Um, but it's the opposite. And our parents really instilled that, like, we want you to come to us broken, that we can help you fix it instead of come to us once it's all put together. So for any teenagers listening, don't think that you need to have your act cleaned up to um, start fixing or working on the relationship with your parents because I'm sure that they want to help you with it now. Um, and I know that, that Taylor had a really cool example of that growing up. And then the only other other thing was like, I think that our parents, like dad was saying before about how he was getting us ready for adulthood. They always wanted us to be able to set the boundaries for ourselves. So that's why it was like Mm -hmm. this, um, it seems backwards and contrary to the world. Like you think if you set a rule, somebody will learn a lesson, but they wanted us to learn the lesson so we could set the rule for ourselves. And that's kind of how it ended up working. Like we learned the value and then we set the boundary for ourselves. And then if we messed up, they were always there to forgive and help us grow and learn. But it was like the, it was a very Christ-like representation of like, Come to us in your brokenness. We're going to learn the lesson first and then put the boundary in place, or you're going to set it for yourself. And it really set us up well for adulthood because we make our own choices uh, now and set ourselves up for success now because our parents wanted us to be set up for success and know the why behind things.
0: That's such an incredible example. Lisa and John, do you guys have anything to add to this conversation about rules and expectations and family values?
4: Sure. I'll make it very short, very sweet. I'm 90, so I'm a bit old school, but we really only had one, Dana. And that was what uh, what Taylor and Gabby had said about um, uh, manners and the way you treat people. That, that was kind of our only serious sticking point and expectation. The only hot button for me was that because uh, in my my philosophy or my philosophy on life after being in industry for so long is, look, you know, if, if you use your manners and uh, and it has to be genuine, it can't be something that you just make up it becomes a part of your everyday life and you're positive and you smile, you make people feel good. You can be successful in this world, no matter what else you have to fall back on. If you don't have a college degree, if you're not the most athletic or the prettiest or whatever, if you are a nice person and people enjoy being around you, you can be a success in this world, um, regardless of how you measure that success. So that was really the only thing that I would lose my cookies on is if, um, for whatever reason that didn't happen. Other than that, I'll let the girls, uh, comments speak for themselves.
3: I just was going to say though, Dana, that for me, I mean, it goes back to your original question about how life changes as your kids grow. And when they were little, of course, you know, we had certain things that we would little, I don't know if they were called rules, like the girl said, expectations or what have you. And as they grew it, it became more of these conversations that they keep referring to. But again, I go back to this. I grew up with a lot of rules on me. And so I knew with my girls that I wanted to make sure they knew, I wanted them to choose their behavior. I guess Gabby alluded to that. So a lot of our conversations were centered around things like that. And there was an element we would, if there was a conflict and there was fighting, it was, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger kind of thing. We talked about why are we going to continue this conversation or let your yes be yes and your no be no was a huge Thing in our home, kind of a value that we had, because I didn't want anyone leaving the conversation or the the argument and feeling like, yes, we're all settled, but we're really not, and then we're going to go, you know, talk about it or be angry or harbor uh, resentments, that kind of thing. So a lot of it was. Woven through, I guess, um, the rules or the expectations or values were sort of woven through. And I know Taylor alluded to that uh, season of her life that was tougher. And I do remember there was an element. And I just I'm saying this because for parents out there that you know might hear, oh, we didn't really have rules. There, it was. It's true that. And I often was wondering, as Gabby said, you know, are we? Is this okay? Is this right? <laughs> um, you know, there was. When Taylor went through that season, I remember drawing up sort of a contract, you know, and we sat down and read it with her, but all of it, 100% of it was, you know, this is what I want for you. I want you to honor your body. I want you to, you know, be safe. I want you to. So there was, I guess, kind of this, what I wanted for them behind what we talked about. And again, it didn't always come without sometimes it came out of conflict or out of the situation. And, you know, maybe that's backwards, but that's where we were. So
0: (laughs) I would say it sounds to me like the proof is in the pudding. So I think it's a a great example. And I appreciate you guys uh, just sharing all of that with so much honesty and transparency and and giving us something to emulate and look forward to. Oh, Lively's, weren't they just so delightful and inspiring? They painted such a realistic picture of what it's like to let go as teens grow into young adults. And you can just hear the mutual respect and love that they share between them. It really gives us an excellent model for the kind of relationships that we can grow into with one another. I was also super inspired by this idea of having very few rules and being guided instead by values. I'm pretty sure Justice and Lexi would love that idea. Now, I know this podcast was a lot longer than usual and we're only partway done. Sorry, Greg. Glad you hung on with us this far. (laughs) But uh, I hope that you found that it was really, really worth it. So stay tuned because next week you'll hear the second half of our conversation. As we get ready to turn over the lively conversations to you and your family, we want you to consider these verses as you talk. Paul is giving the believers in Rome practical instructions for living out their faith in Jesus. Here are a few things he says.
1: Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying.
0: With that in mind, here's this week's big question for you to discuss together. What rules could we dump if we delighted in honoring each other? Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week at the table.
4: Love you guys. Stay smart.
0: See you, pals. Thanks for gathering. Have a magical day. Peace out. Meliti's out.